I'm Warren Berkeley with the Laurel Heights Church of Christ in McAllen, Texas. Here's where we are in our study. 1 Peter chapter 4, listen to verses 12 through 19. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange happened to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory and of God rest upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of Christ? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. 1 Peter 4. 12 through 14. Here's where we are. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, wrote this to suffering Christians in Asia Minor. God gave Peter this instruction for them and for us about maintaining our trust, continuing to obey God, even when we're tried by fire. Next, we should take verses 12 and 13, 12 and 13 in 1 Peter 4. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Now, for the second time in this chapter, Peter says to his readers, don't be surprised. You remember back in verse 4, he said, don't be surprised if people you no longer associate with in sin malign you. And now he says, don't be surprised concerning the fiery trial which is to come to try you as though some strange thing were happening to you. You know, generally about earthly things, we just don't like to be surprised. Flat tires, unexpected illness, some financial crisis we could not anticipate. We don't like surprises, especially if they're bad news. The Bible doesn't warn us about flat tires or IRS audits, but with reference to our faith and the reaction of the world to our faith and the benefit that we may gain in trials and suffering 
We are very well informed. When we experience suffering we do not deserve, there's always the temptation to ask, why? We have thoughts like, I don't deserve this. I haven't done anything to merit this difficulty. This is a fiery, punishing ordeal. Why? Why does God allow it? And one reason is given in this verse. For your testing, or to test you, according to the ESV. Peter doesn't promise or imply that he's answering all the questions about suffering. He isn't giving us a complete discourse exploring all the dimensions of the problem, seen and unseen. In this passage, he gives us one reason. The fiery ordeal comes upon you for your testing, to test you. Our constancy and faithfulness in serving God is tested by ordeals here on earth that we undergo, suffering. It has been a while, but some of you may remember our discussion about this back when we were in chapter 1. Back in chapter 1, verse 7, tested by fire. And you may recall our discussion of the refiner's fire. See, in the fire of suffering, our faith is tested. Either we prove to be steadfast or we break under the pressure. So many times when difficulties occur, we have this immediate superficial thought, this is bad. I don't know why I have to go through this, but not everything that is hard is bad. Not every form of pain or suffering is completely against us. If earthly life were all pleasant, never any pain, just a garden of peace and happiness, in that protected environment, growth just might not happen at all. But under pressure, when faith is held tightly, and you continue to work that faith and grow that faith, no matter the pressure, growth and steadfastness can flourish. Persecution and earthly suffering isn't strange, and the element of being tested can work for our good. Verse 13, rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Let's think about sharing in the sufferings of Christ, or partaking. How can it be said that we share in the sufferings of Christ? In two ways, cause and endurance. If we are suffering for the same cause, and we endure that suffering in the same manner as Christ, we are sharing in his suffering. He suffered because of his steadfast devotion to the Father, and he endured that suffering with patient grace. When we suffer because of our devotion to the Father, and, and we endure it as Christ did, with our best effort to follow him, 
we share the sufferings of Christ. Though we suffer a fiery ordeal, though we may be mistreated and maligned because of our faith in Christ, we can keep on rejoicing so that also at the revelation of his glory, we may receive good with exaltation. There is joy on earth that's amplified and fully consummated at the final revelation of his glory. If by doing what is right we suffer abuse, we should not be surprised. We should keep on doing what is right. If we go through something that we don't know the origin of, keep doing what's right. I want to add this. In all our discussion in 1 Peter concerning suffering and trusting God through our suffering, the moral will of God given to us in the Bible is rational and reasonable. We can read it and learn it and discuss it, agree that it's right, then we can do it and rejoice in it. But the circumstances in which we must trust and obey God are often irrational and inexplicable and painful. It's one thing. For example, it's one thing for us to be seated in a comfortable home and watch these videos, or seated in a comfortable building and listen to a teacher and preacher and read and talk about what is right. But we have to then go outside the building, outside the home, and do that in real life often in earthly circumstances that are unpleasant and painful. Our faith is tested. That does us good. Obeying God is really worked out within the arena of everyday life that has in it unexpected difficulties as well as expected difficulties. Further, if you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rest on you. If you have the New King James, it says reproached for the name of Christ. The NIV insulted because of the name of Christ. Now, for Peter and the people he was writing to, this happened in the first century. It was the real existence of Christians in their sojourn <clears throat> in the first century and in Asia Minor. Their association with Christ, their worship according to spirit and truth, their work and lives under divine authority caused unbelieving Jews and pagans to persecute them. It was a fiery ordeal. It involved living at the receiving end of insults and reproaches and malice and eventually violence. Less than that, sometimes just cold distance. In verse 14, Peter simply says, if this happens, it may seem you're being punished, but the opposite is true. You're being blessed, really because the spirit of glory and of God rest upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a meddler. Again, in 1 Peter, we need to talk about suffering. 
And this is really some ground that we've already covered. Not all suffering is commendable. If we suffer because we're doing what is right before God and we endure that suffering faithfully, that is commendable. It leads to glory with Christ. But if we suffer because of our sin, even if we endure that suffering with manifest courage, it does not rise to the level of being commendable. It is not the same as suffering for righteousness' sake. The point has been made earlier by Peter, back in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 20. It is not just the fact that we suffer. What is the cause of our suffering, and how do we endure that suffering? Now, based on all that, move now to verse 15. Let none of you suffer as a murderer, or a thief, or an evildoer, or as a meddler. Peter has said to Christians, you will suffer. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised if you're suffering, if you're persecuted. We can expect that, but we must make sure our suffering is for the right cause and that we endure it faithfully. Here are some examples of unrighteous unrighteous suffering. You suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, a troublesome meddler, where you intrude into the privacy of the lives of others. The point here is, if you're suffering, make sure you're suffering because of your involvement in things that are right, not things that are wrong. As Christians, we should make sure if we suffer, it is not because we have sinned. So that's the study of these verses. I'm going to pause here, come back in just a second. Verse 16, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this name. If you suffer because you've committed murder, there's no glory in that. If you steal something and get into trouble, you should be ashamed. If you conduct yourself as an evildoer, no commendation there. And if you meddle in the private lives of others, don't put that on your resume. But if you suffer because you're living as a Christian, don't ever be ashamed of that. In fact, you are glorifying God when you suffer in his name. Excellent examples of this all through the book of Acts, where people suffered not because they were guilty of murder or theft. They were being Christians. It should be our desire to be only one thing religiously, Christians. But if we're just Christians, we're liable to be brought into some suffering. If we suffer for the right reason and we endure it faithfully, Peter says, rejoice. Let's move further. For it is time for judgment to begin with the household of God. 
And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? One of our learning disabilities in Bible study is we get locked into a word meaning only one thing. But we know that words can mean a ver various things depending upon the context in which they're used. When we see the word judgment, our impulsive reaction is to think the final judgment. But really, in the Old Testament, the word judgment is often used about specific occasions where God would express his wrath against a particular sin or person or nation. So there is the day of judgment, but the word judgment is used in many biblical contexts where that final reckoning day is not necessarily under consideration. So here in 1 Peter 3.17, the judgment under consideration may not be that final day of reckoning, but a time of trial soon to be experienced by the Christians in Asia Minor. Things were going to get bad. The church would be under attack by the Roman government. It would be a time of terrible judgment. The point in 1 Peter 4.15 is, if things are going to get bad, the worst outcome will be for those who are not living obedient to God. And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? If it's going to be hard for us as Christians to go through ordeals, such as referred to here in terms of a time of judgment, if it's going to be difficult for Christians, how much more difficult will it be if you are not a Christian. Peter quotes from Proverbs 11:31, leading to this in verse 19. Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. And so we circle all the way back to where we started. Don't be surprised if you undergo a fiery trial Rather, share in the sufferings of Christ, do the will of God, entrusting your soul to a faithful creator. Folks, keep doing what's right. Thank you.